Hey everyone and welcome wherever you are tuning in from. I just want to say it is amazing to have you with us and I really trust that God is going to speak to you today. And something to celebrate today is that it is Father's Day and what a privilege it is personally to be a dad and I know for many others as well. And I would just love to pray for dads everywhere right now. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for every single father, every single dad right now. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the ultimate heavenly dad. I want to thank you that we get everything that we are and everything that we need from you. But I pray right now for dads everywhere that you would bring them a huge sense of encouragement, a huge sense of you with them. Thank you for the role that you've given them in families, in society as well. And so I pray that at Harvest, but also beyond, that you would raise up dads who are sold out for you. Dads who raise their kids to follow and serve you. Dads who want to make an impact in the world. Lord Jesus, being a, being a dad, being a father is such a vital role in your kingdom. And, and I pray that we would be the best dads, that you would help us as a church to help fathers in the role you've given them. And ultimately, as a result, your kingdom would advance. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Now, one of my closest friends used to live about three kilometers from my home in Greystone Park. And what happened is, is every time we used to ride a lot to see each other and every time I wanted to see him, it was downhill the whole way. It was the most incredible bike ride, literally freewheeling the whole way. There's a beautiful small nature reserve. I'd come down the hill, see this beautiful uh, little dam with ducks on it, and then I'd head down. And he had the steep driveway, but it didn't really matter that much because I'd catch up some steam to ride up. And I was so excited to hang out and, and to have a great morning or afternoon that it didn't bother me at all. Anyway, we would have a good time uh, sp spending time together and playing up to mischief, no doubt. And in my mind, I'd start to think, you've got to go on the ride back home. Now, there is basically not a single downhill from his house to mine, which was about that uh, three, three kilometer trip. So I, I would head and I would continue to pedal. I'd get to that nature reserve, which I used to love looking at just three hours before. And now I turn around and go, I hate you stupid nature reserve um, because it was like right at the start of my trip. And I would get back absolutely shattered, sweat dripping shattered from my afternoon at his house. But why did I do it? Why did he do it? Why did week after week, month after month, year after year, why did we do that trip so often backwards and forwards? Well, it was because of friendship. It was camaraderie. It was connection. There was something about seeing each other, hanging out, playing, spending time together that built us up, made us more into the people that we we're supposed to be. And today, as we continue looking at a little bit of Proverbs, I wanted to look at the topic of friendship where there's just so much about it in Proverbs and we can really glean wisdom from it. Perhaps more than ever, the times we're living in now have shown us the value of friendships, if we have them or if we don't. You see, for a while, busyness can cloud out where we're at when it comes to relationships and friendships. But when you're forced to slow down, like this lockdown has caused in so many parts of the world, when you're not able to do what you would usually do work-wise or social-wise, you suddenly have to sit back, you suddenly assess your life, and you go, where am I really at when it comes down to connecting with people on a deeper level? 
the current global crisis and issues that we've seen around the riots and around racism and the list could go on between different people has shown that some people who thought, wow, we, we have a really good friendship, we've, we've got a really good relationship, suddenly an issue like this pops up and they find that they only had a friendship on the condition that they had the same point of view. And suddenly friendships seem to be breaking apart because people have found out that the perspectives they had of each other have been different, which is devastating to see. So what exactly is friendship? I think most of us would have a general idea of what a friend is. And interestingly enough, there's a Greek word in the Bible, which is phyllis. Now reading from the Strong's Concordance, this is what it says about this Greek word phyllis. It says, a friend, someone dearly loved, or prized to so someone you hugely care about in a personal and intimate way. It talks about things like a trusted confidant. It talks about um, holding dear a close bond in affection with someone. And if you look at the root words, it talks about experiential connection, experiential friendship. Now, is friendship essential to thrive in life? So yes, that's the definition, but is it actually needed? Can we get along fine and achieve what we need to and live a fulfilled life without having friendships? Well, I would say we absolutely need friendship for a number of reasons. Four, in fact. Firstly, the triune God is in a perfect and permanent friendship relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if God has anything to go by, friendship is vitally important. Secondly, in Luke 7, and I'll read this here, 7 verse 34, it says this, this is Jesus talking. The Son of Man himself has come eating um, and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is Jesus talking to people who are accusing him of what he did, and he was saying, I'm accused of being a friend of tax collectors. He was a friend. So when Jesus came to earth, he was a friend to people and not just the people that others liked. And then in John 15, verse 15, look at what Jesus says when he's talking to us as Christ followers. He says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. So if God considers friendship vital, if he calls us his friends, if when he came to earth, he spent time with people, people that others liked, people um, that others didn't like, and he spent time and he considered that friendship, then we should as well. We should mutually reflect friendship with God and with others. Thirdly, I believe friendship is essential because the gospel advance won't happen without it. Either firsthand through you sharing your faith as a Christ follower with someone who doesn't know Jesus, or secondly, you being a seed or a catalyst or an entry point into someone hearing the gospel through someone else. Maybe there's a friendship and you invite someone to join you at a life group or at a service or to watch a movie, and on the back of that, they come to faith. For us to function as people and as the church, it takes interaction with people. It takes us all being different, connecting together to be the picture that God wants us to be. That will look different for each of us, but fulfilling the Great Commission without friendship, I believe, is impossible. 
And fourthly, just looking at the creation account in Genesis and the need for Adam to have a companion, it demonstrates to me God creating us for relationship with other people. And I would imagine all of us, if not most of us, need to continually reassess where we're at when it comes to friendship and growing in this area with God, with our spouses if we're married, maybe with work colleagues, with strangers, and the list could go on. Now, what I'm going to do is attach a number of questions in the caption below on the YouTube channel, and we'll put it out through email and those sorts of things as well. But it's a short questionnaire which helps you and I to assess where we are when it comes to friendship. So I really want to encourage you to do that afterwards. It'll help to go along with this message at the same time as well. But if you're struggling with friendships, I think you'll know it deep down in your heart. You might be going, things in my friendship circle are great, and you still need to assess it because maybe you think that they're going great and not for others. Or maybe you're sitting here going, I just don't really feel like I'm connecting with people, like I have good friends. And I want you to know that if you're already feeling that in your heart, the Lord really wants to speak to you in this process. So I want to draw out some key principles on friendships, and I'll use the book of Proverbs to help in this area. So firstly, true friendship is mutual. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Yes, at times giving, and at times receiving, but collectively, a friendship will take two people putting in the effort. There are those that have apparent friendships, but it's because of what you can get. It's not real friendship. There's no attempt for give and take. It's purely, I want to take. And then, there are others who abused because they think friendship is something that it's not. They continue to do things for people, but there's actually no mutual effort on both sides. But a real friendship needs to have two sides to it. That picture of iron sharpening iron is two people working together to make something effective and useful. Yes, at times it will be more give than it is take and vice versa, but never only one. So true friendship is mutual. Secondly, Friendship takes time and it takes patience. Proverbs 18 verse 24, it says, One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Now, in a greater sense, this is talking about Jesus. But what's amazing with it, I think the picture the writer is trying to get across is more about acquaintance versus friend. So he's saying, one with many friends, i.e. you sort of know everyone just at a surface level, you can be harmed because no one really knows what's happening in your life. No one really knows the deep down issues. You sort of just know everyone on the, oh, how are things going? Oh, fine. Everything's going as well. But we never go deeper than that. And it's saying actually then harm can come to you. But if you have someone who really knows you in a close way, then they will stick closer like a brother. This will be different with your personality. And I think often guys and girls consider these sorts of friendships differently. For instance, myself and I know many others as guys, we might not talk to each other for weeks, but the minute that we connect, it's as if we, we were never ever apart. And we would consider ourselves great friends, but we don't chat that often. I think, and I may be wrong in some of this, but I think with ladies, it's a lot more of a continual, inbuilt, um, deep relationship. But regardless of how that differs between personality types and between guys and girls, the principle is that without investment in people, our friendships won't go deeper. So give people time. 
Invest in relationships. Trusting each other won't happen immediately. And there is time needed to understand our differences, to understand what we're passionate about, the things that we've been through in life. So often we only understand someone once we know what they've been through. So don't expect amazing relationships overnight. Give time. Be patient. They will come. What about the next one? Be available, ask questions, and think the best of others. Look at this verse in Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. It's like a friend is someone who's there and is available in the good times and the bad times. They're interested in you and what you're going through. And in a difficult time, it really shines that they're a true friend. So how do you do that? How do you love at all times? Well, a great starting point is to find areas of common ground, which I just shared. Find things about someone else so you really know who they are so that you can help in difficult times. This will only happen if you ask questions. So often we can speak more than we listen, but asking questions of people is a great way for us to get to know them better. It's so easy to get offended when people let you down, to get upset when someone's tone on a WhatsApp message sounds a little bit strange and a little bit off. And we can sort of get offended easily, but God calls us to see the good in people over the mess. If you choose to see the mess, it will stain your opportunity to have a great friendship. If you're always noticing the bad in someone, you're never going to progress further into what could actually be a brilliant friendship. Because guess what? We all have mess. But God chooses to work through it and bring something good. So get really good at seeing the best in other people. Get really good at seeing them um, for who God sees them to be. And come alongside in hard times rather than pulling away. When the chips are stacked against someone, that's the time to really come alongside as a friend. Don't get so busy that you leave no room for building friendships, that you just can't be available to someone because you just have so much to do in your day. Be available, an amazing way to build friendships. Next one, number four, make a decision to grow in contentment and gratitude. Look at this, Proverbs 22 verses 24 to 25. Don't make friends with an angry person, and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one, or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Positive versus negative talk will have a dramatic impact on your friendships. You see, the reality is nobody likes to be around negativity. Sure, we all have our bad days, and it's important that we're honest about that, but if we're negative and have bad days all the time, that's difficult for someone to be around. So how do you know if negativity is a big part of your speech and your life, well, assess your conversation. Be brave. Ask a friend. Ask a spouse. Ask a colleague who you can trust. But it's important that you make a decision to say, Lord, I want to be a person of contentment. I want to be a person of thankfulness for what I do have. And as a result, you'll gain an excitement and expectancy for life. And people want to be around that. It's exciting and it shines who Christ is. Next one, it's so important to learn more about ourselves. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. There's so many ways that we can listen to counsel. It could be through reading. It could be through a person. It could be through a lecture or a course. But I want to challenge you to know about yourself 
so that you can gauge more about who you are so that you can be a better friend to others. You see, we're all different. We've got different personalities and characters. I I thank God for that. How boring would the world be if we were all exactly the same? But what that does mean is for us to experience excellent relationships. It's going to take some work of understanding ourselves so that we can relate to others who are different to us. There are loads of different tests on personality types that some of you may have done before. I think there's the disc. There's another one with Bible characters. And for those of you who don't, what it basically does is it sums up different character types almost as animals. So I don't know if you have done this before, but they all have various different ones, but it might be that you end up being a porcupine. You're someone who, when things get difficult, you suddenly shrink back and you put out these spikes. It might be that you're a rhino. And rhinos, those characters are the ones that just steamroll. I mean, in any relationships, they just talk and go for it and bash people out the way. Maybe you're like a bit of a lamb. You know, so you're sort of a lamb and you're just soft and kind and you just sit there quietly and you're very non-threatening. Maybe you're a lion. You sort of got a stature about you and you're sort of fierce in, in certain circumstances. And then people have done funny ones about biblical characters. Maybe you're sort of like a Paul who used to talk in these sort of long-winded tones, um, but he was, he was a go-getter and he was very strategic. Maybe you're like a Peter who struggled with doubt and one minute he was like, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. And the next minute he was like, I don't even know you. And he was a character that struggled. Or maybe sort of a Moses character, very melancholic. Anyway, there's all of these different tests. These may be helpful to some extent, but they also put us into molds that I don't think we should always accept as unchangeable or beat ourselves up that we are sort of a character type that we don't really want to be. So that's why I don't necessarily always like those personality tests, because although they help us to see ourselves as a porcupine or as a rhino or as a lamb, they don't show us how to have great friendships regardless of that. They classify us in a category that can make us accept things in our lives that we actually shouldn't. We can accept ourselves a certain way, but God actually wants us to be more like Him. So you might say, well, I'm just bashful, or I just get angry quickly. And that's just me, I can't change it. But actually, our character should line up more and more like Jesus. And so if getting angry at the wrong things and the wrong times and not caring about people and their feelings is part of our characters, then we should start to change that. And so often we can brush off parts of our character that aren't right, just as that's my personality. That's just how I am. I'm just quick tempered. I'm impatient. I just naturally see the bad in people. And we can reject what God wants to do in our lives. So that's why it's so important that we study and we learn and then we keep who we are, who God's made us to be, but we want to become more like Him. So don't settle. Let God mold you and work on different areas of your life. Next one, humility and taking correction. This is probably one of the most difficult aspects of true solid friendships, but we so need it. Proverbs 27 verse 5 to 6. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. The writer in Proverbs is saying, it's actually an incredible blessing when a true friend of ours is willing to come to us and say, hey, listen, there's just this area in your life that concerns me. There's an area that I just really want to talk about because I want to see God's best happen in your life. 
The question is, do you and I invite correction and rebuke from our friends? Are you open to them pointing out errors in your life that are not in line with Jesus? True friendship invites the opportunity to point each other to Jesus. And you know what? The more you do this, the less scary it will become. So if you've got a great friend and every week or two weeks, you just say, hey, is there anything that you've noticed in my life that, that you're a little bit concerned about on a faith basis? And you, you sort of chat backwards and forwards, it becomes more of a check-in, more of an accountability. That's great. And then it becomes normal. You know you trust each other. You know you've got each other's best interests at heart. It's something that I would encourage everyone to do. This will be hard, but it will create incredible friendships that push you closer to Christ. Last few, choose friendships wisely. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. They say that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who are your close five? Think about the people that you spend most time with. Think about their characters, what they like, what they care about, what their focus is. And you can be pretty sure that over time, if you spend a certain amount of time with those specific people, you're going to become more and more like them. So what sort of people are they? Are they pointing you to the Lord or away from God? This doesn't and shouldn't mean that all your friends are Christ followers, not at all. How else will we fulfill the Great Commission? We should spend time with people who don't know Christ. But when it comes to people that you learn from, people that you grow from, people who encourage and inspire you, godly character should be something that each of us look for. And then here are just two quick pointers that I don't think are deal breakers at all when it comes to friendship, but they're just two very practical things that I thought were important that I share before I close off and pray. The first one, and this may seem super simple, it's to pick up on body signals. So what am I talking about there? Well, it's very easy when you first have a connection with someone and you sort of want to chat and you think, hey, maybe this could be a friend, it's an acquaintance, maybe it could get further. It's very easy for you to pick up, are they engaged? Are they interested in talking further? And sometimes we can sort of just keep talking in the hope. But if we start to pick up some body signals, it can actually be helpful to go, at the moment, that person just seems to be having a bad day or, hey, that person is looking a bit left out, let me go and speak to them or, it just feels on this topic, we're not really connecting with each other. And we can ask God for wisdom on picking that up, but we, we all have body signals. and It's actually a helpful way in connection and in friendship. And the other one I would say, and I definitely don't want to cause offense on this, but physical appearance, believe it or not, plays a role in a first point of call when it comes to friendships. So what am I talking about? Well, if, for instance, you uh, head out to a coffee shop or something or you're in a friendship circle and you haven't bothered to shower and you kind of stink a bit and your hair is all over the place and your clothing is absolutely non-matched or you've got a big hole in it, not because you don't have any money, but because you just couldn't be bothered to have another t-shirt, that could be off-putting to people. So yes, there's an element we should be who we're made to be, but actually... If our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then it's important that we think about it. I mean, take for example, you've got a massive eyebrow hair. And this hair drapes over, down over your eye and down onto your cheek. I mean, just say this is possible. Now, you put yourself in someone else's shoes and you meet and you're talking to someone. Now, all I would be able to focus on is that huge eyebrow hair. And I would be wanting to pull that thing out and I would be wanting to get some tweezers. I wouldn't even concentrate on what you're saying because all I would be is looking at this eyebrow hair. So, 
The point is, is that our physical appearance does play a role in us having first point of call and connections with people. So something small, but it is important for us to be aware of it. Final thing, pray about your friendships. Pray about your friendship with God. Pray about your uh, friendship with your spouse. Pray about your friendship with colleagues, your friendship with people you consider friends. Pray about the fact if you, if you feel you don't have any friendships or you're struggling, pray about it. I have no doubt that the God who sticks closer than a brother, that the God who no longer calls us servants but friends, is desperately wanting you to have a great friendship with Him and a friendship with other people as well to fulfill what He's called you to. I trust it's given you some useful nuggets out of Proverbs to help grow in this area of friendship. I believe it's absolutely essential for us to grow in this, to fulfill what God has called us to. So please do have a brief look over that survey. It'll be out and you can find it. Just a helpful thing for you to gauge where you're at and then put into practice some of what we've looked at today. As I close, I want you to know if you've been listening here and you've gone, I actually am exploring faith I don't think I have a, a friendship with the creator of the universe. You can have that. He came to earth and paid a great price on the cross for your sin and for mine so that if we would receive it, if we would believe in him, we get to have a friendship with the living God, the ultimate friendship of all. And you can have that. And so I want to pray for all of us. But if that's you, please do get in touch with us. We would love to tell you more about the faith that we can have in God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the ultimate friend. I want to thank you that you love us unconditionally. I want to thank you that you are there in the good times and the bad times. I want to thank you that you see us for who we are. You see us in our best. You see us in our worst. You care about us the same. Thank you that you want to see us pulled up from difficult positions in life to be all that we can be. Thank you that you are the ultimate friend. But thank you that you've also created us to need other people if we're going to fulfill all you've called us to. And so I pray for everyone listening right now that you'd help us to be honest and open, to take an inward look at our lives and to realize where we can grow in this area, where we, we just need some help in this area. I ask you to help us to be, to be better friends to those we come into contact with. I ask that we would shine the friendship you've given us to others. I ask you to help us to grow in our friendship with you. And ultimately, as a result, I ask that many people would see you in us. Many people would be touched and would be helped and would be encouraged by the friendship that we give. For people who are lonely right now, Lord, I ask that you would give them great friendships as they cry out to you. That you would show them if there's anything blocking them from growing in friendships. So I want to thank you for this time together. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. And if you need any help at all, if you'd like to get in touch with any of us, please do uh, get in touch through email or WhatsApp or through any of our social media ch um, channels. We would love to help and support you on your faith in any way that we can. Thanks so much.